Greetings everybody, uh, welcome to our online service. My name is Pastor Brian of Breton Baptist Church and we are going through a series during the month of November about lessons of lockdown. We've been through lockdown once already. It is not totally unfamiliar territory for us, although it is different to the first lockdown. This month, we'll be focusing on lessons of lockdown, previous and current, and what we learn from the scriptures to help us through this winter wilderness of lockdown and a world completely changed by COVID-19. Last week, Andrew Goodman kicked us off with a great message about uh, how we respond to crises. This week, we're going to be looking at recover, recovering through crisis. Next week, Ed Walker will take us through reconstructing through crisis. And then I'll be finishing off this series uh, on the 22nd of November with reimagining life during crisis. Crisis is part of human life. It, apparently, it is said that we encounter three, approximately three global um, crises every hundred years. There certainly has been some major crises through this year's with previous flus and pandemics. Um, and years before that, um, millions of deaths are taken due to a crisis. This isn't including the world war crisis. And we all know that we, we celebrate the remembrance of those that have gone before us and how peace has come as a result of um, the traumas of war. As we remember those whose lives were taken and whose lives served to bring peace from a battle-torn world. Crisis are a part of our lives, is my point. And today we're gonna to be looking at how do we recover through crises, going from one crisis to the other. I remember many crises in my own life, let alone world crises. I remember eight years old, my dad left me, left our family. That was shattering. It broke my heart. Then at the age of 17, I was, um, kicked out of the family home. That broke my heart. It broke my mother's heart. That was shattering. And then at the age of 26, I found myself homeless yet again. Um, I found myself in absolute stricken poverty. Again, another crisis in my own personal life. I suppose it's a bit like holding a, a, a cup, a cup of your favorite drink that in some way brings some sense of comfort and joy but slipped from your hand it comes tumbling down and crashes life can feel somewhat like that where you get completely smashed and you're left with broken pieces in your life and you have no idea how to become fixed, how to become whole again. You're just left with trauma, confusion, fear, darkness, emptiness, brokenness. COVID-19 is one of those crises that has left 
So many people broken, shattered, crushed, destroyed, filled with a sense of hopelessness. Can't imagine how they're going to get through. But we can learn from past lessons. We can learn from the lessons of the previous lockdown. We can learn from the lessons of previous crises. We can learn from the lessons of the Bible that teaches us how God shows us a way through every eventuality in our lives. We're going to take a short journey through some more of the book of Exodus, picking up from where Andrew left last week, left us last week. We're going to be looking at some of chapter 32 of the book of Exodus to help us gather more tools on how to get through the next set of crises, how to recover from one and prepare ourselves for the next and support each other through the coming crisis. So our first lesson will be how to stay focused. Let's listen to the first few chapters, uh, first few verses of Exodus 32. When the people saw that Moses delayed to come down from the mountain, the people gathered around Aaron and said to him, Come, make gods for us. Who shall be before us? As for this Moses, the man who brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we do not know what has become of him. Every crisis leaves a mark of brokenness. Every crisis leaves a story where hope has been ripped, where um, life has been torn and there are huge injuries. Every crisis has a story. Every, every crisis has a lesson for the next generation. How do you stay focused when you're just going from one crisis to the next? Because that's certainly how I feel at the moment, sometimes personally in my life, but more so um, in the context of being a church leader, coming into Breton with the church being closed yet again within my first year twice, I find that the church doors are called to be closed because of the fear of the spread of COVID-19. So staying focused, I would encourage everyone under whatever crisis you come and to face in your life personally or globally is to pause to ponder to pray it's so crucial that in times of panic in times of chaos in times of crisis that we just take a, a short step backwards because it is so easy to lose focus. The people of God, led by Moses, constantly lost their focus. Moses was on the mountaintop seeking God's guidance, seeking God's instructions for the people, providing an opportunity for people to know what God's direction is. They became impatient and lost focus and began to want to move on before God spoke. And Aaron, put under pressure by the people, lost focus and was persuaded easily by their impatience and their lack of faith and trust in the Lord. 
there's a danger that we become impatient and lacking in faith and focus. As leaders, we must resist the temptation from being pressurized into making decisions without seeking the Lord by pausing, pondering, and praying. This is what Moses did on his mountaintop with God. We are called to recenter our focus on the living God through pausing, pondering, and praying. So stay focused, pause, ponder, pray, seek God's presence, find your mountain top, resist the pressures of society and the opinions of others, persevere and seek the Lord, stay focused. The other thing we can learn from this chapter in, in, in Exodus 32 is how Moses sought to confront the unhealthy discontentment of the people. The result of Aaron not following the first principle of staying focused to recover from the crisis that they find themselves in was that the people were not, uh, were, were finding themselves running wild, reveling, the Bible says. And in verse 26, Moses stood in the gate of the camp and said, Who is on the Lord's side. Come to me, those who are on the Lord's side. Stay focused. Confront those that are reveling and running wild and, and being tossed and turned and being persuaded by, by the influence of others' opinions and political views. And all the sons of Levi gathered around him. He said to them, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, put your sword on your side and each of you go back and forth from gate to gate throughout the camp and each of you kill your brother, your friend and your neighbour. The sons of Levi did as Moses commanded and about 3,000 of the people fell on that day. What a challenging passage to deal with. I don't believe I've ever preached on that particular section of the passage. But how do I deal with such a crisis in the scriptures when, when I hear people say, your God is a God of love, but all the way through the Bible, there's a God that seems to kill many people. What is this God all about? Well, I may not be able to answer everything satisfactorily, but what I do is reflect on what did Moses say in the beginning? Who is on the Lord's side? How focused are you in allowing God to be the guide to every aspect of your life? That's the healthy question. Are you following what's right before God? Or are you tossed and turned and, and persuaded and influenced by the political views and the opinions of others? Or are you doing what is right? These passages ring messianic tones for me. For if you look at verses 13 and 14, God is for us, not against us. Jesus is for us, not against us, John 10.10. 10. God offers ways for healthy living as he knows we will encounter crises 
Exodus 20 gives us those healthy um, commandments of how to live as God's people. Jesus showed us the way for a healthy heart, mind and soul to aid us through crises and eschatological times. Look at Matthew 5, 3 to 13. If someone is not for God, then they are against him. Matthew 12, 30. All of those passages uh, combined with Exodus ring tunes of messianic texts. The people of God have a repeated historical habit of being discontent and following worldly ways. They were often jealous, distracted and easily influenced by the ways of other nations, the way that they operated and governed. Landing themselves often in places of slavery and under imperial colonialism. I don't know if you heard some of the news this week. I really don't know whether lockdown is the best way or not. On one side, I think it is. On another side, I'm not convinced. I know we've got to be responsible and safe. That I'm 100% convinced of. But I was struck by Theresa May's statement to, to Parliament when they were voting on lockdown. She made a comment on how we are in danger of setting a precedence that the government can shut churches down. Maybe that's a prophetic word. Maybe it isn't. I'm not sure yet, but it does concern me that if we are setting a precedence, then maybe this is leading to something bigger. I am not attempting to push a political view or a political agenda. But there is a huge danger that lockdown shields not just those from COVID-19, but it shields people like you and me from the reality of people who are imprisoned and who are finding themselves um, locked and victims because of lockdown. The first lockdown saw huge numbers of women murdered due to domestic violence. The releasing of the last lockdown saw more, not hundreds, but thousands of children needing to be taken into care in an emergency. Every year, thousands upon thousands of children are taken into care due to um, abuse. Lockdown only will intensify this. A serious lockdown causes the vulnerable, the innocent, the marginalised, the powerless to become hidden from our eyes. I passionately believe that churches have a godly responsibility to engage in injustice and unhealthy situations. We are called to be the eyes, the ears, the hands, the voice, the advocate for people who are suffering, the vulnerable, the weak, the powerless, the marginalised, the innocent. Lives are going to be lost either way. It's a no-win situation, I get that. In one sense, I hope and pray, of course I hope and pray, that this lockdown will allow us to see a reduction of people ca catching COVID-19. But it will definitely see an increase of those suffering 
because they've been imprisoned. What do we do? I honestly sometimes don't know. I know we're an active church. There are people biting at the bit in this church to say, we gotta do something, we gotta get out and help. Every week I'm hearing stories of people helping homeless people, helping ex-offenders, helping people that are struggling with mental health, helping single parents, helping people who need um, food, who are uh, in poverty. Every week I'm hearing great stories of great things people are doing through this church. But there are a lot of us. But these people are in the minority. You could count them in double figures, not triple figures. We are a people of some 200 folk here. I'm not saying we must do more. But we need to be more of the eyes, the ears, the hands, the feet, the voice, the acts of Jesus Christ. Lives are literally being neglected because of lockdown. And we must reflect on the things that we can do. I am not content with an unhealthy discontentment. Moses challenged it and he pleaded on behalf of God to remember his people, to remember his promises. But still 3,000 were slaughtered that day because they refused to go on the Lord's side. Moses pleases to the Lord and he says this in verses 12, 13 and 14. Turn from your fierce wrath, O Lord. Change your mind and do not bring disaster on your people. I'm not saying for one minute that God inflicted COVID-19 on people. Verse 13 says, remember Abraham, Isaac and Israel, your servants, how you swore to them by your own self, saying to them, I will multiply your descendants like the stars of heaven and all this land that I have promised you, I will give to you and your descendants and they shall inherit it forever. Verse 14, and the Lord changed his mind about the disaster that planned to bring on his people. The point here is God changed his mind to save the people because Moses pleaded on their behalf. Moses knew most of God's people wanted to be fixed like that broken mug. They wanted a way of being fixed. And in a crisis, people desperately need to be fixed. Not that we fix people, but by the power of God through Jesus Christ, he shows us and provides us with the tools to help the process of fixing people. In this clip we're about to see, it brings the um, mood down um, um, or up a little bit. It brings a bit of humour. It's from the film Robots and it's where Rodney discovers that there are a people that need fixing, robots that need fixing, robots who are, uh, who are old and out of date, that they're not the latest technology, so people have, 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 have disregarded them and, and neglected them and abused them and, uh, and pushed them away, made them a marginalised people, but they are innocent, they are vulnerable. They are robots that need to be loved and cared for. Let's watch this clip to bring a little bit of lightness to the subject before I finish this off with the last point.
all sold out. Nothing but upgrades from here on in. But I like myself just the way I am. Oh. We can't afford upgrades. What's good? Hey, 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 huh? hey, what are you doing? Don't throw me. Hey, isn't that the guy that fixed Fender's neck? Yeah, that guy fixes bots. Ah. Yeah, that kid can help you. Face yourself. You're about to get very popular. Only those with insurance. Oh, I forgot. Everybody, come on! Parts, man. I need parts. You don't look that bad. Hey, everybody. Spare parts! Wait a minute, wait a minute! What's wrong with you robots? You should all be ashamed of yourselves. Why do you have two noses? One's for showing, one's for blowing. <laughs> Sorry. Hey, could you look at my arm? Uh, nice grip. Black iron? I can't get rid of this spare tire. I am losing my mind. Back off, back off. He's got his own dreams that won't come true. See a need, fill a need. Wait. Who wants to get fixed? your plans just give me the bottom line kid don't tell me what you could have done or what you should have done tell me what you already did tell me what you already did i don't think you understand a break like this is hard to find kid don't tell me what you got I hope you enjoyed that clip. The clip is not so much about what we can do to fix people. This clip is an illustration of how God wants to use us to help fix a broken world, broken lives. And this is about taking risks. My third point, taking risks with God. I am a risk taker, but I don't do it neglecting or, 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 or refusing or fighting against what the rules and regulations are. I do it to honour God in order to seek God's approval, to seek God's way. And I can honestly say I don't know sometimes whether I get it right or get it wrong. Recovering through crisis is literally seriously risky business. There is a huge danger of believing that once we get through this crisis, it'll be all right. Remember that um, old saying on New Year's Eve? Oh, last year was awful. This year's going to be amazing. I hope you're not one of those sort of people um, because that's, that's testing fate, if you like. And I think that's dangerous. This was an issue for the people of God in the wilderness for 40 years. They went from one crisis to another. They didn't imagine that they would be in the wilderness for 40 years. 
We didn't think we would be in lockdown more than three months. We don't know whether we're going to be in lockdown more than four weeks. Let's prepare ourselves for the unexpected. Let's be content in not being content. Let's reverse the mentality and the attitude. Let us remember that God has not called us just to be a part of building up the vulnerable, the the innocent, the weak, the marginalized, the powerless. He's also called us to be a great influence to the guilty, to the unlovable to those that seem to get it wrong and are um, constantly wanting to do something that's not right. The people of Israel constantly, as we saw in Andrew's message last week, you know, from the manna to the water, the quail, they moaned and groaned and tested God when God delivered every single time. You know that old phrase, where is God when you need him most, where he is most needed? I remember a Baptist minister responding to this after a shooting at a school. And somebody said to him, where was God at the time of those shootings? And his response was simply this, God was there before, God was there during, and God will be there afterwards. Whose side are you on? When do you call upon the Lord? Just when it benefits you? Just because it's the people you like? Or is it because you really want God's uh, will to be done on this earth? Then um, they underestimate, the people of Israel underestimated their resilience. Never underestimate your resilience levels. They lost focus, panicked, feared and blamed. They they never anticipated the struggles they would face. Moses is a great example of how he risked his own integrity and indeed his own life for the people. Verse 31, so Moses returned to the Lord and said, Alas, this people has sinned a great sin. They have made for themselves gods of gold. But now, if you will only forgive their sins, but if not, blot me out of the book that you, Lord, have written. Taking risks with God is literally having the courage and confidence and character to engage in dialogue with God to the point of being the willing sacrifice to stand in the place of the others. The guilty, the vulnerable, the innocent, the weak, the powerless, the marginalised. Doesn't that sound a lot like Jesus? It is not enough to be willing to be Christ-like for the innocent, the marginalised, the vulnerable, the powerless. We've got to be Christ-like for the guilty as well. Like Moses, he was a reflection of the coming Christ. Moses was no more than a human being. Christ, we know, was the son and is the son of the living God. But he was still human when they took him to the cross. He was still human when he poured out compassion and stepped over the imperial rules and regulations of sharing the power and the love of God to others. He was still human when he stood against the religious leaders and the priests and the scribes and the the laws of Moses, uh, the lawyers of Moses. He stood for the glory of God. And sometimes it caused him to break many rules 
I am not advocating to go out and break rules for the sake of it. But if you know somebody who needs God's touch and they can't seem to get focus, I encourage you to step out and reach out to those people because you'll be saving a life, changing a heart, bringing hope, eternal hope to somebody who's broken and feeling hopeless. Are you willing to pick up the pieces of broken lives? Are you willing to go and help people, to be the hands, the tools that, of heaven to bring some kind of reconciliation, some kind of redemption, some kind of repair, re reconstruction, restoration? Are you willing to go into the dark places where we're told not to go anymore? Are you willing to open up in a safe way to welcome the stranger and the broken hearted and the broken soul? Are you willing to do what's right before God in these very, very challenging times? Moses risked everything for the people. Jesus risked everything for the people. So we must risk everything for the people. When we do this, with a holy discontentment. God is with us and for us because the desire of our hearts aligns with his. This is a passage where Moses challenges God to remember his promises, to remember his people. What a beautiful place to end as we think about the brokenness that has gone before us through all the crises. As we remember lives that have been taken because of world disasters, world crises. Communion that Christians engage in is about remembering the story of God's people, remembering God's story with his people, remembering how God stepped down into a broken, dark, shattered world, a world in crisis, and helped bring the pieces together, the people together, the broken people. God never leaves a broken person shattered across the ground. He steps in and helps cement the brokenness together. Yes, there will be marks because of the crisis, because of the trauma, because of the brokenness. But it's God that is able to use us as channels for him bringing the cement of heaven to glue the world together. Let us prepare to share communion together, remembering our own story, the story of our ancestors, the story of those that fought in the wars, wars that continue to fight wars today physical wars, um, flu wars, disease wars, all kinds of wars, spiritual wars. But let us never forget that God was there yesterday, he's there today and he'll be there tomorrow. God is the same yesterday, today and tomorrow. We can influence God's, um, God's um, impact on the world. God does step in when we call upon his name. Let us gather together and hold the wine and hold the bread and remember God is for us.
not against us.